on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. The gang is back together after a solo Nick affair. The dudes will start things off by discussing the merits of the ILM doc and the movie Prey, while also discussing a few non-Star Wars pop culture topics. After the opening salvo talk, it will shift to Star Wars and the Andor series, in particular K2SO and the length of the opening three episodes. Sticking with things that start with A, they'll also talk about some Ahsoka hype, courtesy of Rosario Dawson. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artists. Punch it, Chewie. Now, everybody, welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show. That's right, we're back. We're live on air. We took a little week break, although if you were a loyal fan, you would have known that Nick took some time last Tuesday to uh, record a solo cast. So there is an episode 224 for you to consume. It just wasn't delivered in the live stream format, which, by the way, we do every Tuesday. Except when I'm out of town on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Typically 2.30 p. East or whenever I feel like hitting the go button. You know what I mean? All right. We got a few of the uh, the fandos are coming up in here. We got Bat. We've got Justin. He's not coming in with the props handle today. He just wants to be himself and that <laughs> is okay. So if you are in the live stream... And uh, yes, I finally unmuted Nick, so thank you. Oh, there I am. Hello. I didn't say Junior. much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, that that could have got tr- uh, problematic there if I didn't catch that uh, soon enough. Um, but yeah, so we took the week off, or I took the week off last week to uh, enjoy some family down in the southern part of the country. Now that I'm a fully remote worker, I have that ability to kind of travel around and work from different places. Uh, so we hit the South Hilton Head Island to be exact, and I will I will tell you, and again, I get it, having a broken leg is not the worst thing in life, okay? So if you're one of these people that's going to sit there and roll your eyes and be like, oh, this little bitch, I, okay, that's fine. Until you've dealt with it, shut the fuck up. And I do understand getting cancer would be worse, or AIDS, or, you know, getting an amputation, I, I understand, but, you know, I, I have had... Nine weeks now of not being able to use my right leg, and it was quite challenging at a location like Hilton Head Island. Um, so while most people that go there tend to enjoy beach and pools, I kind of sat in a condo and waited for everyone else that was bipedal to uh, come back, roll me into the tub, scrub me down a little bit, hose me off, and then take me out to stuff my face. So I could rinse and repeat the next day and just keep seeing how many new rolls I could add to my waistline. Uh, It it worked out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, what what, what am I going to do in Hilton Head where the humidity is death, it's hot as fuck, and I'm on crutches or in a wheelchair? It's like you you can't crutch too far without feeling like you're going to heat stroke out. And I'll tell you what, for for anyone else that is permanently in a wheelchair, and I, I... I knew this from my past broken leg experience. I I can't tell you how bad I feel for all of you 
and all us fuckheads that stare at you like you're some freak for being in a wheelchair. Because I got plenty of those looks this week. I mean, people look at you like, oh my God, you, you decrepit freak person. <laughs> Why are you in a restaurant? You freak. There's a step here. Can you get yourself up it? It's just like, Christ. So, whatever. But like I was telling uh, Nick, this is a milestone week for the saga of the One Wheel Pint X Broken Leg Travesty that took my summer away way back in June. And it's a milestone week because this Friday, I finally get to start physical therapy with the hopes of being cleared for a little bit of weight bearing. Now, I understand after being off my leg for nine weeks and breaking it pretty badly at the knee, I'm not going to be, you know, jumping around and jumping back on the one wheel, but just the idea that I can put my fucking right leg down for the first time in over two months is it's exciting. You know, I mean, I'm I'm expecting to be a little depressed at PT hearing the journey ahead and how many months of that I'll have. But the fact that I'm here now, when I look back to that night of June 10th, it's like as shitty as it was back then. Time really does fly when you're in your 40s and you have a lot of gray hair in your beard. So <laughs> that's good. I don't know. I, I, don't, I typically don't like being positive. But I, I feel somewhat positive this week because of this milestone. And yes, Nick, there were many beach one-wheelers oh, at Hillhead no. Island. Because it's, it's a, um, I don't know if you do the beach a lot. But you know how some beaches, like the sand is, it's, it's sandy and mushy, right? Yeah. It's like mushy sand and it doesn't really get hard. It doesn't form a hard surface. Some beaches... It's almost like pavement. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the sand it's is very just like hard. Packed, packed better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you could drive a fucking Honda Civic on it. Like yeah. that's how packed it is. You don't need four wheels or any of that. That's what Hilton Head is, and it's it's very long. When the tide goes out, you have a a ton of surface area to cover, and it's almost like the one wheel gods knew I was going to be sitting on the oh. beach with my leg propped up in a wrap, oh. because I can't tell tell you how many fucking floaters. That's that's what we call ourselves in the one wheel community. Nick. <laughs> how many floaters were just blowing like? It's almost they looked at me and they're like, I bet he broke his leg on a one wheel, so I'm going to go rub it in his face because they would get as close as they could to my my uh, the, the beach chair that I had my leg propped in, yeah. leaving their little single wheel mark in the sand as they peeled away on their little oh, uh, no. floating devices. <laughs> so, it, it was it was funny, but that that was the first time I'm like, fuck, damn it. Breaking legs on one wheels means no one wheels on the beach. Yeah. All right. So if you've been paying attention, if you listen to the asshole announcer, there's not a lot of uh, Star Wars to talk about this week. I mean, th this is a week, if I was feeling a little more motivated post getting back from Hilton Head late Saturday night, uh, we probably should have cooked up like a special topic, but uh, that's not who we are. We, we don't put a lot of effort into things when we don't feel like it. So here we are, and you're going to get a, a, probably a slightly extended edition of the iconic Star Wars time show, what the fuck's going on in pop culture segment? Okay, <laughs> We, we kind of started this during the pandemic when everyone was locked in and kind of needed things to tool around with or watch in their hovels, and we've continued it. So today's a good day, Nick, to, to have a few non-Star Wars topics because there isn't a lot of Star Wars to talk about. 
Yeah. Uh, I missed it. it. It never fails. You know, I missed last week and really my, my first beach vacation this year prior to the leg break. I missed celebration and all those announcements. Then last week, Monday fucking morning, Diego Luna on GMA dropping a new Andor trailer that was juicy and the news that it was delayed with a three episode premiere to make up for it. So I, I missed out on all out on all of that. <laughs> there we go. Got to Got to warm up again. I took a week off. And uh, so, you know what? Who, who cares? There's no point talking about it again. I'm sure Nick handled some of that stuff. The series is delayed. I think it was delayed not for any reason outside of it didn't want to fight with Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know saw if- some, like I mentioned that, like somebody mentioned that like they possibly it was because of Game of Thrones. Like there was no official word as to why it was delayed. And honestly, like, that Game of Thrones series is going to do pretty fucking bad. Like, it, 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 you it's, think? Yeah. Just like, from, do you think it's going to have like a solo or a TLJ? Of, okay, let me rephrase this. Are you saying this this prequel is probably not going to do as well because it could face a similar backlash that Solo faced from TLJ? No, I just are you saying people, Game of Thrones fans from how the first season ended? Those you know, really the last season was kind of shit. It was starting to get suspect even before that. But do you think people just don't care anymore? They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I think that's that's mainly it. People just don't care about Game of Thrones anymore. The last two seasons were like hot trash, yeah. especially the ending of the last one. This series has none of the original characters in it, and the only draw to it is that there are more dragons. Um. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't just, know what you're supposed to get more backstory on the Targaryens and yeah. how they used to fight with each other and fuck brother and sister and all yeah, that. Type exactly. Of stuff. So like it, it's yeah, I don't know. I don't like I don't think it's going to do well. But then again, like I'm not a pop culture guru. I don't really have a read on what like and, and another thing is like. The last time Game of Thrones was up, when did the season eight end? Season eight. 2019. 2019. I'll never forget it. Never yeah. Forget so it. like, I don't know. I just think that this, that the landscape has changed a little bit. Um, okay. And I just don't think that there's an appetite for like a Game of Thrones prequel series. I could be wrong though. I mean, there's, you know, I don't know what else is out there that people are super we'll interested see. in right now. So. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of game of thrones bros out there kind of like we are with with star wars and whatnot so you don't know i don't know it 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 it, i i guess i shouldn't be surprised these days anymore when lucasfilm makes these types of changes this close to (laughs) promise dates but honestly it's probably just like polish like it's it's like 90 percent of the time when a delay like this happens that's like this short a time it's it's like polish it's it's just they want to yeah, make sure that know. everything I, is is polished, looks as good as it can, especially in the post, uh, like the post production side of things with all the special effects and stuff. Like, I don't think that they like realistically. I don't think that they would care because even if you delay it three weeks, you're still running during the well, time. Well, here's when those here's kind of my my take on that because these days, what what do these streamers like to beat their chest over these days? It's not how many people keep watching it's the debut it's like we you know obi-wan had the largest single streaming debut that that's all they want to say these days i mean i was just reading an article 
apparently Apple won't even tell the creators of Severance how popular their show is, how many people actually watched it. It's all the streaming analytics. I don't know. It's odd. I mean, Netflix does the same thing that they won't tell showrunners why a show got renewed or why one got canceled. They, 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 they hide all this data. So for me, it's, I don't know. Do you want to share the spotlight with Lord of the Rings? Uh, Lord of the Rings clearly has a, a, a huge built-in fan base, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and like you were saying, I mean, someone who is a self-described Star Wars fan, I mean, the last time we talked, even you were like, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm more excited about the Lord of the Rings series than anything coming out Star Wars. So maybe they, they were kind of feeling that, that in the air, and they're just like, you know what, Let, let's punt a few weeks, let the, the LOTR hype die out so Andor can have its, its day. But, yeah. I mean... Even then, Andor was going to go before Lord of the Rings. It was going to get its debut yeah. the day before. So I almost think, too, knows? that, like, like, I don't know the psychology of how people view these shows, but, like, it almost seems like if there's, like, there's two good shows, but potentially good shows coming out, like, that would just get people into, like, okay, I watched the, I watched the first episode of Lord of the Rings, but there's only one. I watched the first episode of House of the Dragon, but there's only one. So it's like they're watching good content. And then you would want other good content to watch. You're like, oh man, what what else is out there that I can watch? Like if Andor was available at that time, I feel like people would just like flow into that because you're like, man, yeah. I just saw this good show, but it, like they're only releasing episodically. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But I mean, who really cares? It's I, I think the three episode premiere is a nice little gift. It it bums me out because that just means I'm gonna have a fucking mega slog on nine twenty one like. I may even have to take personal time that day It's because uh, we're going to talk about it here down the road. Here's a little tease, but we, we kind of know the uh, the runtime of those first three episodes and it, it's going to be a movie. There's no doubt about it. And, and it, I, I kind of hope Disney keeps this up. Uh, I, I like, you know, I think Amazon was the streamer that started this where you kind of get a two to three episode drop to start. And then you go to the episodic. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that because I, I feel like it allows maybe more casual, casual types of fans to fully realize the narrative before cutting things off and making you wait. Uh, and then you get that joy of waiting after you're immersed and you're excited. <laughs> then you get that, that pull of, all right, next week we're getting a new episode of, of Andor. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, I, d- I do dig that move and maybe they'll carry that forward. I, I think Bad Batch was the first series they did that on. Uh, they didn't do it with Book, right? Book of Boba Fett was just I thought episode one, two, three. Was There wasn't a two? No. Or did, I think there was a two episode premiere for Book of Boba Fett, but I could be wrong. What's Prop saying here? Can Dev and I fly you guys out here and no. we rent? Hell yeah, dude. Fly me. If you get that cameo jet, I'll, I'll fly out there. You know, private private jet for sure. Just let me know. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got an airport 10 minutes away. <laughs> no, so yeah, it was, it was uh, just right. a single, single episode debut. Okay. Yeah, so maybe this will be the new thing. And what I was questioning, Nick, when I saw this delay, because we reported weeks ago that bad batch should be coming out 928 which would be the week after andor's delay so i don't know i mean if they do this we're looking at the first ever dual running star wars and i know you and i have said that that's like sacrilege so who knows 
right? Yeah. Who knows? Is, we'll is, see. is Bad Batch going to be later now? Because we're supposed to still get, uh, I think, Tales of the Jedi and Visions this fall. Yeah, I think or maybe both, Visions is twenty three. I don't know. I think it's Visions was supposed to be fall, and then Tales of the Jedi. I mean, like they're both anthology series, so it's going to be like little short episodes. Right. Um, but Bad Batch, I mean, yeah, you, you, you got to figure they're going at least double digits again. Yeah, for sure. Like they're they're probably doing at least twelve to sixteen episodes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thought process, honestly. And I feel like if it if it really was because they were afraid to go against Game of Thrones and uh and Lord of the Rings, then like that's just a really bad move. Like it just it doesn't make any sense because that's not how the psychology of people watching TV works. Like I don't like when I sit down to watch TV at night. No, I like it. I don't think like that. I don't think that like I think the more the merrier, especially (laughs) if it's episodic. I'm like, all right, I'll get an Andor and then I know I could watch an L.O.T.R. next and I know I could watch a Game of Thrones after that. Like it's especially in my condition now, it's I've kind of appreciated having content to just, you know, sit around on my fat ass and consume, which kind of leads us into our actual pop culture what the fuck's going on segment we had a little detour on star wars but hey it it is a star wars time show and there's always time for star wars time uh so one of the the first things i want to talk about here is kind of making the round since last friday and that is the prey movie which i believe in the states is available on hulu and i at least know through our buddy tones that it's available on disney plus over in the uk uh dropped uh, last friday so august 5 and I have to tell everyone, now, no spoilers, Nick hasn't seen it yet, uh, which is good because then I can just use this as like my, my selling pitch for it. But I, I think Prey is one of the top Predator movies at this point in time. I mean, it, it's right up there with the first Predator. Yeah. Um, I always like Predator 2 because it had that, that shift to the city and, you know, Danny Glover was a, an interesting choice for the character following up from Arnold. You know, it was like a complete change from the muscly uh special forces kick-ass choppa guy to just kind of like a beat cop detective uh, uh and then then you got into the the other predators which i i don't mind i'm not going to say they're they're as good as predator one and two but predators and the predator they're they're serviceable you know they're they're decent sci-fi action movies yeah uh, even the avp films for what they are you get some decent lore about predators and aliens and, and their, their hunter's code and all that shit. Yeah. So uh, the Predators franchise is, is, is okay, even if it's not really truly all interconnected and all sequeled up. Uh, but, dude, Prey is just, it's, it's pretty damn great. It, it really has the vibes of Predator 1, uh, but with a, a 300 years in the past setting, so... You know, we're talking like flintlock pistols and Native American weapons. Mm -hmm. And I would even argue the Predators don't quite have some of the advanced weaponry that we see them in the more futuristic or present timeline films. Yeah. Uh, But I I mean, honestly, to me, it's it's the setting. You know, it's like I think it's like 1719 Great Plains America or Great Plains somewhere because some Frenchies show up, some, you know, fur traders, skinning buffaloes and whatnot. Uh, so it even, it even has a little 
a few nods to just that time period and, and what was happening with the Native Americans and the white man and the, the slaughtering of the buffaloes. And, and they, they did really clever things with, all right, is the predator doing this shit or could it be, you know, the white man? So you, I, I like the historical setting of Prey. I found the action to be great as well. I know there's a lot of testosterone-fueled bros out there that are losing their shorts over a a, a female and, and other uh, Indian warriors with only bows and staffs being able to take on a predator, but it's fantasy, my friends. It's science fiction, and if you watch the movie, I think it all kind of makes sense to me. You know, sometimes it's not all about guns and brute strength. Sometimes, and I think this was kind of the message here, especially with the main character, Naru, is if you use your brain, sometimes you can take out the brawn. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, David and Goliath, that type of shit. So I, I enjoyed it enough, Nick. I plan to go back and rewatch the Comanche dubbed version. I, I just went with the, the English first, but they have a Comanche language dub. And I, I definitely am going to give that a watch because it, it's a solid movie. I mean, I would put it up there. I'd give it an eight. Yeah, I saw well a worth lot your of, time if you've got Hulu. Yeah, I've saw I've seen a lot of positive reviews uh, out from Prey. So uh, I want to check it out. It's probably something that I'll watch on my own. Um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I've heard good things. So I'll, I'll check it. it it's out. an odd one. Like I almost want to say it's sort of like a date movie because there is a little. And I know people are like, oh, Mary Sue, hey, fuck you, Mary Sewers. I, I, that, that argument drives me nuts. I mean, how many how many Bobby Sue characters are in film? That that's all they are. So, but it, you know, you get you get a strong female. Not even like I, I, she isn't like Shira is what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. she has her faults, she has her her issues, and f- fails multiple times. She just she's done well, and I love that. I think almost all the cast are native american like i mean they're speaking of native americans their last names fucking kick ass okay kick ass as you know like thunderfoot mighty foot bear claw white you know wolf fang i mean that, those are some bitching last names so pray two thumbs up eight out of ten from the boys at the star wars time show Dude, I think my headsets are going to cut out. Oh, no. To figure out the, uh, <laughs> with to figure something out. Uh, real quick here, because uh, Lightyear is old as fuck, but it finally hit Disney Plus, and because of my leg, I never got to see it in theaters. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with people. I, I found this movie to be fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. I didn't, wa- I didn't even watch it with my kid. I watched it with my wife's Sunday night, just sitting on the couch, drinking a beer, and I found it to be excellent. Uh, the fact that some people get up in arms over whatever they consider to be a, a gay kiss is just unbelievable, and I do hope the world explodes, okay? <laughs> but Lightyear, well worth your time. I'm not going to go much more into it because of how long it's, it's been out in the wild, but it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Moving right along. Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation. All right, this also dropped, I think, last Wednesday. And Nick, this is the third Lego Star Wars special that has come out since 2020. We had the holiday special. We had the Halloween special. Now we had a little little summer deal. And while I'm a huge fan of these Lego Star Wars and really Lego Star Wars anything, I will say 
summer vacation was not the best. Okay. It, it just, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it felt like it lacked that Lego cheekiness. I mean, it, it still has it in, in some of the little anecdotes that are told through the lens of Finn feeling bad and wishing he had friends and all this fun stuff. But it almost felt more like an advertisement for the Halcyon Hotel. Really? Because... Dude, they literally go to the Halcyon ship for their summer vacation. Like that that's oh, that. where <laughs> Finn, Ray, Rose, you know, all the sequel characters go. And it's just like, okay, so it starts there, and then it goes into three individual stories, one told by Obi-Wan, another one told by Anakin through the lens of Darth Vader, which is kind of interesting. And then the last one is uh with Ka- the the solos. Uh, Kylo as a kid and, and that's probably the best one because you get to see little Kylo kid interacting with his parents it's like it, it, they go on one final vacation before he gets dropped off at his uncle's gotcha so while these are not canon based I think the nuance they add in there and the little touches and the little bits of emotion you know that it, it, it's still worth watching but summer vacation overall just didn't hit like the other ones. I, I still think the holiday special is probably the best where Ray travels through all the trilogies. And at one point you have multiple Kenobis yelling hello there. You have a bunch of Hans shooting first at Greedo's. Uh, but this one outside of seeing Darth Vader in his uh, beach tank top and Palpatine in his uh, like 1920s male bathing suit thing. <laughs> it just it didn't quite have those moments that you expect uh, from a Lego series. But no, Bat, Bat's right. Uh, Finn gets addressed as a full-on Jedi in this. So again, that's what I mean. It's like while they're not canon, they, they, they're, they're canon adjacent, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting that they... I wonder if, you know, like obviously we, we still have to see if they're going to do any uh, like post uh, Rise of Skywalker content like they did with the prequels. Um, and if they do, I wonder if they, if they'll choose to like carry that over into, uh, into that stuff, you know, I hope they do because there's a lot of opportunity yeah, I mean, for that character. He, he literally, the first story he's, he's bumming out. He's sitting in the bar in the Halcyon and, uh, Obi-Wan's force ghost appears next to him and Finn's like, Oh, Hey, you know, you're probably looking for the Jedi raised over there. And, and, and Obi-Wan more or less says, no, you're, you're the force user. I'm, I'm here to visit. So, uh, and it does, I mean, all these Lego specials has been set in the sequel trilogy, albeit with stories that can take place in the past. That's where you get Vader's and Palpatine's and, and Anakin's and all that fun stuff. Um, so yeah, who knows? I just, if you see what Disney's doing and backfilling the sequel trilogy through the Mandoverse timeline and all these Lego series being focused on that trilogy and its characters, it's hard to think that they don't at some point try to produce more live action content set post Tross. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know all the, the main cast, they're all still working somewhat. Uh, you know, John Oscar Boyega Isaac's is clearly killing it. Like John, yeah, John's he, he doing. Just, did he just drop something last John, week? John has. Well, John opened his own production studio and is starring either either starring in or producing four movies that released just this year. Like 
Not bad. So he's smart. So he's, he actually did something with his Star Wars money, and he, he's trying to build a legacy. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I see Daisy every once in a while on IG getting into things, little movies here. It looks like she's in a movie about some girl that can... That swims a lot or some shit. I don't know. It looks like a period piece. Uh, yeah, she's a you know, driver. I mean, yeah, I know he's she, been in a lot of shit. Yeah, it, it's probably Daisy that has had the the least amount of projects yeah. post Star Wars. That seems always to be the uh, the case with Star Wars movies. Like the main character, the star, always falls off because it happened with Mark Hamill. He transitioned yeah. into like you know voice acting primarily and stuff like that. Uh, it happened for Anakin, you know, it happened for Hayden Christensen and now it's happening for <laughs> it Daisy. is. It's like a it's, curse. It's the curse. Like it's the curse of the star, star Wars lead. It. Don't star in a star Wars movie. If anything, be one of the, be, be the Han Solo, you know, be, be the Poe Dameron, be the Obi-Wan Kenobi, something like that. Cause those guys, they always keep forging ahead. Those stars, the main characters, it will shoot your career in the face. Yeah, Carrie kind of got beat down too, but I, yeah, I don't Carrie. know if she wanted to keep acting. Like she, I she think had she a lot would. of like substance abuse problems too. Like so, Carrie, like Carrie was in stuff because I remember like watching, like seeing Carrie in like a few things. Like she was in, like had a cameo in a lot of stuff. Like she was, she had a cameo in fucking Austin Powers. She was in Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob, right. Drop Dead <laughs> Fred, like a whole bunch of movies that came out after Star Wars. She was around in, but she did switch off to kind of like script doctoring, script. Yeah, she was mostly like writing and then doing her her stage show. Which, yeah. if people still have not seen that, that's one of the best. It's it's one of the best one person shows I've ever seen, but it's probably the the most raw you'll ever hear Carrie Fisher talking about her life and her her Star Wars experience and how that kind of became her life, whether she wanted it or not. Yeah. Um, what icons on Vice? Uh, oh, there's like know, a that. Well, there's like a I saw something on YouTube like flash across my screen, but there is like a Vice like mini documentary series that like looks at different iconic movies oh i think i think bat yeah i think he mentioned that apparently marcia lucas like i don't know she did an unauthorized sit down but apparently she talks about uh which which is going to lead into my my next little review but she talks about how fucked up you know making those first films were yeah uh, behind the scenes so yeah it's it came out 13 days ago it's called icons on Earth: star wars a new hope part one it's on youtube right now it's like 47 minutes long but I, like it, yeah like i didn't know it was with marsha lucas or anything like that um so interesting yeah so um lego star wars summer vacation you got kids of course thrown on there are a few fun moments like bat i'm glad he reminded me here in the live stream chat hey come join us 2:30 p east youtube.com slash star wars time show but there is a part where they're there it's obi-wan and this one character has been in other lego star wars bits are escaping jabba's palace and, and boba uh, gives chase and they start playing the boba fat ba 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 you know that where they're actually singing the name and that that was a, a nice little see that that i was looking for more of that that's what yeah. i expect in lego star wars anything it's just the really cheeky nods to Stuff that hardcore fans would get, uh, casual fans would probably laugh at. And then they they always do great showing off the relationship between Palpatine and Vader. 
in this one vader finally snaps he's like all i ever do is just try to make you happy <laughs> it's just like they're an old married couple so it, it just it, it's still good it just i don't know like i said i think the holiday special is still the standout to me Okay, so like Bat was saying, there's this Icons documentary on, on Marshall Lucas and, and the original trilogy of New Hope. That kind of segues into a, another day late and a dollar short uh, review, recap, promotion, whatever you want to call it. But the uh, Light and Magic six-part documentary series on Disney Plus that covers the uh, genesis of ILM all the way up through the... Uh, you know, it, it kind of takes us up into the Mandoverse era and stagecraft, but it, it really focuses on Star Wars, a bit of Empire Strikes Back, a bit of Jedi, but then ILM's work in the 80s when they just dominated special effects, you know, the E.T. stuff, Back to the Future, you name it. It's Nick, and I know, I, I know you're someone that likes kind of looking behind the curtain here when it comes to filmmaking. And this is just, it's a six hour deep dive oh, into wow. probably one of the, probably the most brilliant outfit ever created in Hollywood. And that is ILM. I mean, you, I think a lot of us, especially the older fans, we've realized what ILM has done for the cinema business, but this really kind of puts it front and center. Uh, I, I typed a Nick in, in our Slack chat and I can't believe I never came to this realization before, but George Lucas was the Steve Jobs of filmmaking. Yeah. Just like Steve Jobs, he didn't know how to do any of the crazy things that he wanted to do that he thought would make filmmaking easier, but he knew how to motivate people that he thought could figure it out, whether it was like forced labor and torture, it didn't matter. He he was going to make the process of making films more efficient. And that started with, with editing. Nick, he, you should see young George just sitting there bitching and moaning about how they used to have to edit film and why he <laughs> wanted digital. And so you really get to see how over time George's, I don't want to say ignorance, but it, it was just almost like he was unflinching on his idea of what filmmaking should be and how the processes should be played out versus how they were that he eventually gets it, and like we've given him credit, all the stuff he was ever talking about and, and forcing people or, or trying to convince people to do has led to stagecraft and the ability to mix practical and digital and, and not even have to go in and post and, and change out backgrounds from blue screens or green screens. So you do get, you do get to see it come full circle, but for me, it was those early episodes and kind of putting myself in those people's shoes like what that would have been like to be in your 20s uh to be just kind of asked to work on this crazy project that this dude who made american graffiti was doing and you had to invent pretty much everything you needed to make the movie you had to invent the cameras <laughs> you had to invent new ways to edit let alone just figuring out how to make the special effects look better than they ever looked before and I think the craziest thing I never realized, Nick, is that John Dykstra was the VFX lead on A New Hope. I mean, he's the one that blew everyone's socks off initially with the shots of the ships and the Falcon and all this stuff. And I never realized that George never invited him to stay on with ILM after A New Hope. He, he more or less shit-canned him when ILM moved from Van Nuys up to San Francisco. Crazy. I mean, 
he created the Deitch, the Deistra Flex camera that they needed to do all the the space shots and the flying and all that. It, it's it's wild. Like, but you could tell. I mean, George he had a personality. All these artists had personalities, and some George just didn't want to keep uh, mixing with. So uh, he only invited certain people up. But it, it's fun seeing people like Joe Johnston. Ken Ralston, Dennis Murin, all in their, you know, their, their 20s and how they got hired to work on Star Wars, making fucking crazy stop motion shit in the 70s with bootleg 8mm cameras. So I don't know, it, it, it was kind of inspiring, but also depressing, like a lot of these things usually are for me, because you, you sit there and you, you're watching these people do these amazing things with Star Wars, right? Yeah. That's the kicker. It's with Star Wars. I mean, it'd be great if it was any movie, but we're talking the Star Wars. And their their entire lives have more or less been dedicated to the craft of making movies more efficient. But in the case of ILM proper, these days, more, more lifelike, excellent VFX, all that fun stuff. So it's well worth watching. Um, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, if you're just in the cinema filmmaking, I mean, ILM really is. I mean, they are the, they are the Apple of of uh cinema and and it was great it, it was good to see george too i mean there's like some some great archival footage but he also does live interviews because lawrence kazdan did it so you know he he has a good relationship with all these people so they were all pretty open honest and it was good i i felt the worst for phil Tippett because he was the creature effects guy that that had all that excellent stop motion and uh, they they pretty much dedicate an episode to the death of creature shops thanks to CGI. So that that also was interesting to see because when I was a little kid when CGI came around, I didn't give a fuck. I was like, oh yeah, it looks a lot better than this shit. But when you think about it from someone's career and the art form they've dedicated their life to, to know that in, within like one day your life's over, like you have no reason to exist in Hollywood anymore, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. Is anyone else liking this non-Star Wars time show yet? <laughs> well, that last one was a bit Star Wars related. <laughs> there you go. We've been weaving Star Wars in here. You know, there's always time for it, but there's also time for games like Stray, which is our last non-Star Wars topic before we get into some Andor stuff here. Um, yeah, Bat brings a good point. Uh, it's like we've gotten back to the point of filmmaking where it's not all just let's CGI the fuck out of it. It's gotten back to more of let's leverage the tech, but let's also bring back the the practicality. I think a of the lot of it too. has to do with cost too, because like yeah, like cost for practical effects now has actually gone down significantly. And before, if you wanted to build a full size Millennium Falcon, that shit cost way more than what it did to pay some people at that time who had whose salaries weren't fucking way up there. You just pay some kid to sit in a fucking computer bit like, you know, den for two days to, to build a visual millennium Falcon, a VFX one. Now the VFX salaries have gone up so much that it's like, okay, do we want to pay a guy to like, you know, $250,000 a year to sit down and, and like build out this VFX millennium Falcon, or we can pay, you know, we could pay $180,000 for all the parts to put this thing together in, you know, for real. So I think that that's one of the big <laughs> changes. 
Jedi Master Bane's got a good one in there. It's always time for not Star Wars time. That's right, brother. Don't <laughs> worry, we're getting there. Uh, but I got to talk about my friend Shrey real quick, because this thing kept me company on my trip last week when I was holed up after I got done with real life work. I'd whip out my Steam Deck, which quite frankly has surprised me. I thought the Steam Deck was going to end up being another one of my folly purchases where I buy something out of FOMO and then when it shows up a year later, it just kind of fucking sits around and turns into a, an expensive electronic doorstop. But it, it, it's coming handy. It, it's thanks to A, being able to play my Games Pass games through it through the cloud, and B, games like this right here if you're on the live stream. And I'm talking about Stray with that cute looking cat on the graphic. And it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a cat, sort of like a cat FPS puzzler platformer. <laughs> Does that make sense? That kind of makes Where, sense. So it's set in the future. Humans have naturally wiped themselves out. Uh, robots still exist, but they're even in trouble because of something. These They're called like, I don't want to say Zergs. Maybe they're Blurgs. Even that, I think, is from Star Wars. Who the fuck knows? But they're, they're like these little mole things that eat both machine and flesh. Interesting. But you actually play as a cat who gets separated from his pack at the at the beginning of the game, but he eventually finds himself a little robot buddy, and that's that backpack he's wearing. So he does have a companion on his journey to go from kind of this undercity where all this shit's at, all this darkness, back up to the top to um, regain his his litter, I guess is what you'd call a bunch of cats. I don't know. Yeah. They're not dogs, so I guess they're not a pack. But while the while the genre may not be completely new, it's the fact that you're playing as a fucking feline is. Like, you, you don't talk, you just meow, and all you can do is fucking jump. But because of the little robot you have on your back, it slowly adds in a few more gameplay mechanics, like zapping the little guys with special lights. But it really is. A lot of it's just story-based and solving puzzles to get to the next area. So it's a great little pick-up-and-play game for, you know, 30 minutes, an hour. It's highly recommended on the Steam Deck. It's completely supported. Plays really well. Gets the unit hot as fuck and eats the battery up fairly quickly. But, you know, that's because I, I probably should tune down my my graphics a little bit when i'm playing on that thing so you can you can do that like you can do like high medium low graphical settings on uh on the steam deck oh, oh yeah on okay. the deck itself in the settings and in game you just like a pc game you can toggle various sliders you know give me a little more of this ray tracing a little list of that and so on and so okay. forth so no, it's it's a fun game. It, I, I think it's like thirty dollars. You know, I mean, these days that's like a fucking bargain because most games are are seventy. Yeah. Uh, it plays well on the deck if you got one. Uh, I believe it's free on PlayStation platforms if you have one of those new tiered subscriptions. So you might want to check that out. Oh, I, I might have, they it for have free their own. Then. I might have to check because yeah, I have the premium. Because if you, I think if you re-upped for more than just a basic PlayStation Plus, you get like a, a Games Pass Lite type of service. Yeah. Um, so you, you might actually have this on the PS5. So I would I would definitely give that a download. Yes. All right. There you go, my friends. I apologize. Like I said, there's um not a lot of Star Wars today. So we wanted to capture some of the other pop culture shit you might want to get mixed up I'll in as we wait. One thing before we move on, because I saw a movie okay. this week. Um, but it was not like a it's not like a pop cultural movie. It's a movie called Vengeance. It, it stars B.J. Novak, uh, who is from The Office. He was the writer and director of this movie. 
very small budget film. Um, but it is about a, a death. Essentially somebody dies in West Texas, like a small, nothing West Texas town. BJ Novak is this aspiring podcast guy. Like he, he wants to find a story that he can make a huge podcast series out of. And this death like comes across him and he's like, okay, I'm going to go to this West Texas town and this is going to be my story. And it's actually a super interesting movie. Um, the characters are great. It's got some funny stuff in it. It's got some serious stuff in it. I mean, there's recognizable faces. If you're an old person, if you're a young person, Ashton Kutcher is one of the primary characters. BJ Novak, obviously, from The Office. He can see again. Yeah. He, Did like, you see that? Like, apparently, Ashton Kutcher, he, like, these celebs, whenever they resurface, they always have, like, these crazy tales to tell, and apparently... He almost he died or something see, like that. see see or hear for, like, two years, and he, he also lost his equilibrium by not being able to see or hear, but... Apparently he's made a recovery and he's back making movies. I actually, I, I dig Kutcher. He's a yeah, so he's pretty, he seems like a decent celeb if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So if you guys are looking for something that's a little bit, you know, it, it's not a Marvel movie or anything like that, but if you're looking for like a good story, well acted, uh, it's under two hours long too. So you're not going to be sitting in the theater forever. I would recommend going to see Vengeance. Very well made. So there you go. All right. I know. I saw what platform again? That's on. It's in the movie theaters. Oh, it shit. In, it is on the silver screen. So, yeah, Taylor and I went to go yeah, see I, it on Saturday. Or no, Saturday. Yeah, I want to get out and see uh, Bullet Train, but I want to see I get that driving pr- privileges back. I, I'm kind of. I have to wait on my wife if she's able to. It's like she's my mom and has to drop me off and I, yeah. Yeah, I crutch myself out there. So, we'll see. Maybe I'll get out there Thursday night and check it out. All right, dude. How about some Star Wars? Yay! There's some, there's Sorry, some everybody. Star Wars out there, right? Somewhere. We we <laughs> we told you. We warned you. Hopefully, we're not that big of a bore that you've actually gotten something out of all this pop culture talk. But we are going to talk some Andor now, in particular, some words from Nick's favorite Star Wars creator, Tony Gilroy. My guy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I'm. I'm actually. I think I'm starting to like his cockiness at this point in time. Uh, like last week he, they dropped an article where without saying it, he essentially says stagecraft blows. Yeah. I'm the fucking man. Practical shots are the best. Fuck you, George Lucas and fuck you. ILM is pretty much what he was (laughs) saying there. Yeah, I know. We talked about Uh, that a little bit on the, on the cast last week, but yeah, he, he's not a fan of, of the stagecraft slash volume. (laughs) He's like, I wouldn't even touch that thing. I mean, more or less he's like, I I wouldn't touch that with a fucking, you know, Nick's dick. It was one of those (laughs) things. Like I ain't, I ain't getting involved in that. I'm Tony Gilroy. I make movies practically. I make my cast climb mountains for four hours to shoot a two minute scene. Cause I heard uh, there was an anecdote from Diego. He's like, we, we had to like cliff climb all day for one shot just to see this Valley, which I think we've seen the trailers and it does look fantastic. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it's like shit, Tony, you you could have people die. You could just shot that shit in the volume and pissed off a few people on Instagram because it looks fake. (laughs) All right. So I actually was interested in in something he had to say at this television critics association last week, I believe when I don't know if someone in the audience or if he brought it up willingly, but he he talked about K2 SO and the reasons fans aren't going to see him. And it sounds like in, in all of season one, I think that's been the story 
since this Andor series was revealed. Like, K2 ain't happening just yet. So, I mean, here are some quotes we can go off of here, see if we stew up any speculative juices. But uh, he first says, just kind of casually, talking about Cassian, you know, this is five years prior to Rogue One, and he explains that Cassian isn't the person who would know how to or be motivated to reprogram an Imperial droid. All right, so yeah. he then went on to kind of kind of talk about the story and, and, and storytelling and, and why this made sense. So he says, from a storytelling point of view, there are multiple reasons, when he's talking about no K2SO in season one, I would say, wait and see. Ooh, could it be the end of season one? I don't know. I'm still thinking season two. It's a story we are eager, eager to tell. So you know you're getting it. Yeah, you have to. I mean, yeah. if he's telling us this is leading right into Rogue One, you, you can't miss that because it's literally Chewbacca and Han Solo. At least that's how it was to me. They they were that they were that tight. Even though he was a droid, they they had that that relationship, pilot, co-pilot, wingman, whatever you want to call it. So he goes on. It's difficult to carry an Imperial droid around with you and not draw all kinds of attention. See, this could be Tony Gilroy smartassness coming out right here. <laughs> It's a difficult piece of luggage. When we do it, we'll do it in a spectacular fashion as opposed to presenting it and ignoring it or presenting it or hiding it or the bad versions we would have been forced to do. Ooh. Dude, he is pretty much saying, Lucasfilm told me we needed to do K2SO and I told them to go <laughs> fuck themselves. Are, are you getting I that mean, sentiment a little bit? I. Kind he of, ends kind with of. the bad versions we would yeah, have been forced have been to forced do. To. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I will say this: that like if if anybody's telling him something, it would be Dave Filoni <laughs> at this point. You know, like especially when it comes to creative decision making within Star Wars television, like that is literally Dave Filoni's job description. So I don't know if there were conversations that happened around. Uh, K2's inclusion in season one prior to when, uh, you know, things were approved and everything like that. And and if, you know, Dave and, and Tony kind of had a had a back and forth about how to do it or when to do it. But it does seem weird that he says bad versions we would have been forced to do. <laughs> I mean, dude, the, the whole the whole second half of the answer, he I, I envision Tony sitting there with his two middle fingers up. Yeah. Just casually, casually saying it like. Fuck you. Don't worry. I'm Tony Gilroy. I know how to do it the right way. I wasn't going to do it these bad ways. And I honestly, and again, I don't know Tony Gilroy from shit. I'm just envisioning who he is based on what I've read and some quotes he's dropped and some interviews I've seen. I don't think Tony Gilroy would give two flying shits about a Dave Filoni. I really don't. I think Tony would say, oh, this Filoni guy wants me to do this. All right. I'm out. Fuck you. I don't need Star Wars. Have fun replacing me. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I Like, it's interesting because, man, they don't, I mean, like, realistically, they don't really need Tony, I don't think. I think that they, they could have made this show without him, but they, but they did realize that, like, you were kind of the guy. I don't want to say he saved Rogue One because I didn't think that Rogue One was bad before the ending. And, like, from what we heard... Gilroy primarily like tweaked the ending and, and like made the ending better. But I thought that like the movie itself leading up to the ending was totally fine. Um, yeah, it's, 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 he's, he's an interesting guy and I, I'm, I'm very, 
It, but it also helps to know that this show has a lifespan. It's got a two season lifespan on it, which essentially comes up in the se- in the next quote. So maybe Filoni's like, look, I only got to work with this guy for like 18 months after that. He's fucking out <laughs> right. of my hair. I'll just let have, him go. Yeah, just let him do what he wants to do. And then I don't have to worry about his ass anymore. <laughs> like, so I, I'm going to Black Series clips in the chats asking, so who would be a good candidate to reprogram Babu? I, I still think it's Cassian. I, I can't remember, but I think he actually says he was the one that reprogrammed K2 in Rogue One. I, 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 I'm just, I could be making this up. This could be my brain telling me stuff that I want to hear. But I do think there is some canon light quote where Cassian more or less explains, I reprogrammed him. Yeah. Uh, Man. So if that's the case, and, and we actually are listening to some of the smart assery that's coming out of Tony's mouth, I have a feeling K2 might be a season two thing. Yeah. Because if you remember how season two is going to play out, every three episodes is going to cover a year. So you could almost have a three episode arc of the K2 meet and greet reprogram years over. We're best buds. Let's move on to the next year. Uh, If it isn't season two, Nick, do you see it kind of being like a little season one tease or or is it earlier in season one? I don't know. He to me. He's saying no chance K2 in, in season one prime. Yeah, I could. I could see it being like an end of season one kind of thing, like you said, you know, where there maybe there's like some kind of raid that happens and they're using these Imperial security droids or, you know, like something where there is a run in with maybe multiple of these droids where there's like four or five of them that that rebels have to fight through Um they disable one, they they like, you know, get the other ones basically past the point to where you could fix them. And they're like, you know what, we're going to fucking take this thing in and we're going to mess with it. Maybe at first to see like, what can we find out? Like what information is in here that we could use? Like, does it have clearance codes? Does it have right. information about special projects, anything like that? And then after they do that kind of analysis on it, maybe Cassian comes up with the idea to say like, Hey, why don't we reprogram this thing? Like, why don't we use this to our own benefit? Like, maybe yeah, could, I, I agree. I think like I'm with you. I think he's directly involved in some facet. Yeah, but I also, I mean, if you just if you listen to Tony, if you listen to Diego, and maybe this is just what they have to say. But it sounds. I don't want to say Cassian's like a, an asshole, but he, he's kind of uh, lost in life when yeah, we're going to meet sure. him. You know, clearly he's. He doesn't like the Empire, but he's also not a highly skilled, motivated rebel assassin yet. So I, I think before we get to this K2, just like Tony's saying, we have to see Cassian A, embrace the rebellion and, and kind of take on that, the, the, the mantle of, uh, of an assassin, uh, of the, that roguish type. And B, we're going to have to see him kind of get some of these skills. I mean, Tony, again, he, he, he doesn't even know how to reprogram. Yeah. Through some of the missions we see him go on in this first season, we could see him picking up these skills, maybe from other characters or just out of necessity. He's got to learn on the fly, stuff like that. Uh, so I, I, I'm still sticking with late season one as like a little, ta-da, get ready for season two. Yeah. Or... More likely, in my opinion, I think it will eat up one of the year-long arcs in season two. It will yeah. be the main focus of one of those three-episode arcs. 
kind of like the, the the story of K two and Cassian. Yeah, how it came to be, albeit juxtaposed against the the greater galactic conflict that they're all embroiled in. Yeah, for sure. I okay, see, I agree. Yeah, Nick. Nick mentioned a final quote here, and this is uh, interesting. I I, know, I think I've heard him say this before, but this is the first time I read it and it kind of sunk in and how cool this is going to be. But Tony is literally promising us that the end of Andor Season 2 will lead us directly into the first scene of Rogue One. Now, before people are like, well, the first scene is Director Krennic. Remember, that's, that's a flashback. Yeah. Okay? No, the first scene is that the first scene where Diego is talking to that informant and then yep. ices You him. hit it. <laughs> you hit it. So yeah. what he's telling us by episode 24, the end of 24, we should see Cassian landing on that planet, doing what he's got to do, and then boom, it ends and you could turn on Rogue One and it's the next scene picks up right where episode 24 ended. Yeah. And I am a huge fan of that. I love that type of shit where... You know, I loved Kenobi, but they still handed it back to us with with eight more years of yeah. stuff that could happen. Yeah, this I mean, he's he's literally delivering. OK, you want to learn more about Cassian? Well, here's five years of his life and then I'm going to dump him right where you met him for the first time in 2016. I, I think that's brilliant storytelling. And as much as we make fun of Tony. <laughs> I do think this is going to be a good series. I mean, we're, we're going to see from our question of the week, but I think a lot of fans, especially after that second trailer, are really juiced for Andor based on what they've read and, more importantly, seen. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. We got some Diego stuff here. Yeah, we, we got one little Diego so, quote. Yeah, you know, so we, we talked earlier about the delay and why. In the end, who really cares? It's still coming out. It's not like it got canceled like Batgirl, which is still crazy like for a insane. studio that big to A, not fire Ezra Miller yet and cancel The Flash. Yeah. But before that, they, they cancel a Latino starring Batgirl project. That, that, that's that not a great already look. Spent, no matter they how already you slice spent it. $90 million on it. It's so like you're filmed, just, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, Michael Keaton was in the fucking movie. Dude, there were a lot of big actors in that movie. Yes. Like, there were a ton. Yes. And like, they just took $90 million and set it on fire, basically. They're, yeah. Like, I just uh, don't understand. That, that's that. how crazy accounting is. They're like, you know what? It's easier just to eat this loss and we'll, we'll, we'll shift some shit around in the ledger just yeah. to, to make our numbers look better. I mean, it's, it's just wild. And then literally two days later, you see Ezra is arrested again for, for like, yeah, now he's stealing shit in Vermont. Like, the guy yeah. is fucking crazy. And they also, he's like, he's like, they also think that he's, like, running a cult or something like that yes. that's, like, trying to, like, influence young children. Like, this... Yeah. I don't get it. it, it it's, it's bananas. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck Warner Brothers is up to sometimes, but <laughs> that was a weird week of PR for them with, yeah. with the Batgirl shit and then the fact that the Flash... And we're not talking like Ezra's issue started recently. They've been going on for months. Like he's punching women on the street. He's fucking fighting women in bars. I mean, yep. the guy is crazy. Allegedly. I guess that you have to say that. But I mean, come on. Uh, all right. So anyways, back to uh, Diego. So last week we found out Andor, September 21, three episode premiere now instead of two. 
And uh, here's kind of what Diego had to say about it. And I kind of agree with him. Plus, we get some runtime estimates. Well, the idea was to bring the most we could out at once, you know? And Disney Plus doesn't do that often, you know? You know? What's up, Commander Gree? Welcome to the show. So we're going to deliver three episodes on the 21st, which is great because it's a standalone. It's a series that is its own, you know? We need a good chance to introduce all the characters, the planets, the vibe, the tone of the show, and it's going to be great. You're going to be able to watch. It's like three episodes. It's almost two hours. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he was trying to say there, but I think I think we can figure it out. He's saying, yeah. A, somehow Andor is a standalone series in Star Wars, which makes no sense, and B... Well, it's going to be around two hours to get through the first three episodes. So, yeah. So what I think he's saying in the first line, the so we're going to deliver three episodes on the 21st, which is great because it's a standalone. I think what he, me, he what he may mean by that is like those three episodes are almost like set up for the rest of the season. Like they, they yeah. are kind okay. of like stand they stand on their own and you can like, watch like that. It, it, as like a prequel it achieves a it achieves a full arc of a narrative yeah. over the three episodes and then we'll move into the next phase yes. you know what you're right because when i think about it when we learned about season two and how three episode blocks were going to be a, a year in length or whatever tony said he's like well when we shot season one each director got three episodes and they were almost like an arc so yeah I think I think you you parsed it out for us beautifully there, young Nick. I think you're right. So, no, that's cool then. And it's it's kind of like we were saying earlier, where you know Disney might want to start doing this more with uh, the Star Wars properties, or really any of their properties, kind of giving fans uh, a little more of a taste to where you feel like, okay, now I am invested. All the characters have been introduced. I know the stakes. I'm ready. Because yep. if you think about the book of Boba Fett, its first episode was like 30 minutes long. And while it showed how he got out of the pit, it, it kind of ended with him killing that thing. And that was about it. You're like, I, I feel like I need more. I want more. It didn't quite didn't quite, you know, rip you in where if we were able to watch episode one right into episode two, you know, the whole train heist thing in the book of Boba Fett. I think more fans that might have that were kind of down on it after the first episode would have been like, you know what, that is that is a pretty good little slow to start but episode two really hammered it home i'm ready for episode three and then those fucking uh vespa bikes <laughs> so no that that's good I, I i i think he's right i think you're right and i think the three episode drop is is the right move especially for this series because i, I know a lot of you are super excited for it but me who who is like a star wars freak I I still if I answered the question of the week this week I would have went with Ahsoka. I'll leave that tease right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there you go. There's your Andor stuff. It's not coming out as soon as we thought the last time we did this little show, but it's still coming and, and life is good, as they tell me. As they tell. Me. <laughs> All right. One more little deal here, and this is one of those things. There's like, should I post this? Everyone else does. I've gotten better at not kind of getting looped into this type of shit because. In the end, really, what can you do? Maybe Nick and I will we'll get a few minutes out of this. But I, I think it was this weekend with C2E2, which is another big geek convention. So yeah. uh, Miss Dawson was out there, Rosario. And obviously they were talking to her about Star Wars and it, it, it led into Ahsoka. 
and uh, the, the 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 interviewer or whatever must ask her a question you know at first she's like ah oh, let me think about this i what can i say without getting in trouble and she's like all right i'll probably still get in trouble but what i can tell you is that dave filoni and i think what's the other one carrie is it carrie beck i believe the other yeah. writer or something like that they have seen an edited episode of the Ahsoka series, and Dave told Rosario that watching it was a religious experience. Okay? So, I know we could roll our eyes and be like, well, what the fuck would the creator of the character and the showrunner of the series say besides that? Uh, but, but the other thing is, like... I guess to you, Nick, what, what, what would that mean to you? What would a religious experience watching Ahsoka mean to you? Like, how could it become religious? What would you need to see or experience? I mean, it's really hard because like, especially in the first episode. So, th- I mean, like, that's what the quote was, right? Like he saw the first episode. Well, was- she, she just said, and she said, an episode. So okay, and, and it, episode. It, it isn't necessarily the first. I mean, if it, it like for a religious experience, it has to be like, all right, this is this is the live action rebels follow up that we've been waiting for. It, like Thrawn is here. We're like we're like like Thrawn is already in it. Ezra could be like we're still on the hunt or they just like it's the episode where like they finally find Ezra. Like you have Sabine there. So so then you have you have what we've been waiting for. You have Sabine and Ahsoka find Ezra. Thrawn is a problem in the galaxy. Ezra comes back and they're like, now we can fucking do something. Like now it's time for us to kick ass. Like we got our boy back. He's ready to go. Let's get this shit moving. Like that to me, that is what like a religious experience for Ahsoka would be in, in a particular episode in an episode. Yeah. Cause I wonder, you know, t- two weeks ago, I think we talked about, or is longer than that. Who cares? But uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, who plays Sabine, she revealed that we pretty much have a standalone Star Wars Rebels episode in the Ahsoka series. And, and, you know, back then we were debating, is it going to be flashback base? Is it, you know, kind of catch up type of episode? Or is it just going to be set in the present and people are just going to have to figure out who these characters are that didn't watch Star Wars Rebels? But I'm, I'm with you. I think for me, we, we've seen the live action Ahsoka. She's had two great debuts, starting in The Mandalorian with, uh, you know, fighting Morgan and, and dueling Din himself for a little bit and talking to Grogu and finally telling us his name and that he can communicate through the Force. And then again, The Book of Boba Fett, another great uh, episode with her talks with Luke and, and her talks with Din. So I, I'm with Nick. I am... I'm more excited, and I think what would make me feel like I just went through a religious experience, which I've I've never really understood that term or that phrase, because all the years I was subjected to Catholicism, not once did I ever feel any sort of joy or happiness. <laughs> I really didn't. It was fucking torture. I hated it. I mean, what what little fucking kid on a Saturday morning during cartoons wants to go to CCD? Yeah, I mean, at least Nick, they they just threw you in Catholic school so you could still have your weekends. I had to fucking go, I had to go to school oh. all week, and then Saturday morning oh. I had to wake up and go to fucking I, I CCD. Had, I had to do that too. I went to the I went to the CCD classes and all that shit. Oh, too. they made you guys yeah. do it too. Double oh. dipped me. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I, I I'm I think 
I think Rebels for sure. And, and I, I'm kind of were you saying you would like to kind of get the the Ezra thing out of the, out of the way quickly, or do you want that to be the main mystery of the series? Yeah, no. So so I wasn't saying quickly, but like if I that so like what I described was like if there was one episode regardless of where it's sat in the series that was going to make me have that reaction. That's what the episode would contain. I actually hope that they take a little bit more time to like get there. Um, you know, like to get to the point where Ezra is, is found like maybe, you know, depending, you know, maybe three up, you, you take the first three, take four, first four, maybe half of the series to like still be in the, we're looking for him stage. But it, in my opinion, you have to bring in Thrawn early. Like Thrawn, okay. if you're if you're not gonna have Ezra, we already know Thrawn's back. It, that is clear. Right. Like just from, you know, season two of Mando, like we know he's here. So he's gotta be in it from either episode one or two. Doesn't have to be huge stuff. No, I'm but, with you. Yeah, but he's gotta be there. And then but and then that allows you to build struggle. Like He's back. We don't know what to do. The only person who's around now is, you know, like, you know, can like who can help us? Like who's out there that can that can assist us in any sort of way? Luke Skywalker's off doing something else like he's not like he's not here for us. And then you get to that point, whether it be midway through the season or whatever, where like they finally find Ezra the whole time leading up to it. They're looking for him, looking for him, checking all these things, getting clues, getting hints. They finally find him. You bring Ezra in, and then that is the the moment. That's like the crescendo. Yeah, so so that, almost, that and I, I, tell me if I'm wrong here, but almost like Luke's arrival in the Mandalorian final episode of season two, kind of something like yeah. that, or yeah, like no, because I, I agree. Thrawn has already been established. He's back on the fucking map. Yeah. So I, I don't think you need to keep that mystery going for too long. You know, maybe like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you don't show him till the end of the second episode or something like that. But Nick is correct. Thrawn needs to be an established present from the get-go in the Ahsoka series. So that's why I do believe, you know, while it could go whatever direction, I, I think the Ezra mystery is going to be the biggest narrative told in the Ahsoka series. It just, it, it makes the most sense. It's going to allow Dave to kind of follow up and, and, and finish off on those stories. He, he first started telling in rebels and it, it could allow for all sorts of hijinks. It, it could allow for the world between worlds, which we do think will be present just based on the logo of the fucking show itself. I mean, it's so it's in your face. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there, I, I think kingdom of weird has a good point here. He said in the live chat, seeing a force ghost Anakin interacting with Ahsoka tying together George's films with Filoni's vision. That that to Dave probably would be a religious experience. I could see Dave pulling off something where he knows he's given a nod to George's old visions, but also kind of bringing it into uh, the future of Star Wars, plus his work with George, his, his character creations with George. I mean, Ahsoka is Dave's 100%. Um, or, you know, you, you could even have, I think you're right. I, I, I don't think Luke, Luke has a singular focus at this point in time, and that is to finish the Academy and start finding subjects. Yes. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they loop him back in. I mean, if he, if, if Luke Skywalker can show up in the book of Boba Fett, he can show up anywhere at this point. I mean, that, 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 that's a given. Uh, I think it'd be neat to see Luke and Ahsoka 
in some sort of uh, mission. And the cherry on top, I mean, think about this. And if it was pulled off right, this, this to me probably would be religious. You have a scene where you've got Ahsoka, Luke, and Anakin doing something. Yeah. Talking, settling the past, giving wisdom, taking wisdom. That would be pretty fucking deep. I mean, yeah. to see a Force Ghost Anakin with his now Jedi Master son and his former Padawan little sister, that, that would be pretty religious, if done yeah. correctly. Like, it, it would have to make sense. You can't just put him in a room like it's, you know, the, 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 the Jedi tavern where they just go and <laughs> hang out. It, it, would, it would have to make sense, but that, that could be religious. So, uh, yeah, Rebels, Ezra, the Skywalkers, right? Yeah. Ezra, Rebel, the Skywalkers. I think each one of those could cause some sort of euphoric feel. I guess that's what religious experience is supposed to mean. Yeah. Uh, out of most Star Wars fans. And yeah, I, I damn it. I, I, I think Ezra will forever remain hidden. I, I don't think we're ever going to get confirmation he's in it or not. I, I think they're going to try to do like a Luke Skywalker yeah. with him. Even though it seems inevitable and, and we've had, you know, kind of guesses at who it could be. But it just, what else would Ahsoka be getting into at this point in time? I, I just don't know. I mean, she, she told us her main mission in The Mandalorian Season 1. And with Thrawn comes Ezra. You can't separate the two based on how their fates kind of played out at the end of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, yeah. It, like... Yeah, I don't think that that the inclusion is going to leak. Like, I don't think that that I mean, I hope it doesn't. I really hope that the inclusion of Ezra doesn't leak because that would just that would ultimately be another kind of like ruining moment for the show. It's yeah, like he's it, he's a big one. I mean, if, if you think about season two or even Book of Boba Fett, a lot of the side characters got leaked. Yeah. I mean, Chrysanthemum was leaked early. Uh, Bo-Katan was leaked early. Not, you know, no, no, no one made it official. But, uh, you know, I'm talking like a, like a Luke Skywalker job in The Mandalorian Season 2. I exactly. mean, no one, even people on set didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And it was similar in, in The Book of Boba Fett. If you watch the behind the scenes, Rosario's like, I showed up on set thinking I was going to be interacting with Plo Koon. Yeah. Like, they didn't even tell her Mark was going to be sitting there in his little black tunic getting ready to do scenes as Luke Skywalker. So, I mean, you have uh, to look do at this. that. King the King of the Weird just said that the, the scene we just talked about, he has literally did a toy photography shoot of it last night. So <laughs> the Force is with him. Get that. And the Force is always with the Star Wars time show. So, but yeah, like, get some. I think that now they're learning. Well, I mean, there's only so much you can learn to stop leaks because there's like leaks is a people problem. It's not like a, usually it's not a procedural problem. It's, it's right. just like people who have to know stuff, leak stuff, or, you know, something like that. But I think they're getting better at, like, trying to plug some of these holes up, you know? Like, even going as far to, like, like you said, with Rosario, like, she, Rosario is the main character, is a main character in this universe, and is somebody that you imagine that you could just straight up trust. Like, she wanted this job more than anything. Like, she, she, was yeah. out there begging to be Ahsoka. I doubt that she would leak that Luke Skywalker was going to be in the book of Boba Fett, but, uh, they still hide it. They, from they her. still, well, I mean, it. I, apparently, 
Apparently, she got herself in trouble with Marvel because I think at the same C2E2, she said something about Johnny Bernthal and, and Punisher coming oh, back Punisher. and whatnot. Yeah. So she and she also did the thing with, hey, welcome to the show, Sky Guy. Like, you got to you got to watch out for Rosario. Yeah, so she, I, I guess sometimes she did. <laughs> you think about you're her, right. You're right. I'll take it back. Yeah. Sometimes she gets a little too excited. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what it is. Like, she's just she is truly just excited. I mean, I. When I look through some of her stories or, or Katie Sackhoff's stories in IG, I mean, both of them, you can tell they're not just doing this shit for a paycheck. They, they genuinely like being in Star Wars. They post a picture of the fans. Like I've said this before, and I know some people probably think I'm an asshole, but fans that pay to sit in those lines to get autographs and pictures with celebs, I just, I'll never understand that, but they look like they're having a blast. And the fact that the celebs then retweet or share it out, I'm sure that makes their day. And Rosario and Katie, they always do that. So that to me is like, they, they, they care. They know yeah. how crazy we are and, and they kind of buy into it. They feed it and they support it. Uh, especially Katie, she got herself sent like, 18 Bo-Katan Black Series helmets over yeah. the weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm very in touch with, with Katie these days, thanks to Instagram. There you go. Huh, all right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe next week we'll have a few more Star Wars things to talk about. If not, maybe we'll get into something fun, a little, little special topic action. We haven't done that in a long time. So, all right, Ahsoka's going to be religious. Andor's going to be practical as fuck. Life is good in Star Wars, at least for the next few days until they announce another delay or another movie going away or more creative differences happening. Okay. So, my friends, even with our bullshit hour, we're still ahead of schedule, so we're going to get right into this week's fan segment. You know, Nick, if we were prepared, we probably should have brought out the Mando game this week, but I'm not going to worry about it since we're just flowing right now. But that you might want to get your your Mando cards back out for these next couple of shows. That, yeah, next next week we'll we'll bust them back out. Yeah. We'll we'll test Hell Matt's yeah. knowledge as always. Because my my I think my last <laughs> the last game I had a perfect score, and I want to keep that going. But as you know, as we wrap any episode of the Star Wars Time Show, we like to dedicate a segment to our fans. That is right, one of the only fan run Star Wars podcasts out there that actually cares about their own fans. All these other podcasts, they don't like you. They just want your money, right? We don't even ask for money. We just ask for a few ratings and reviews. And I, I know there's some new people. I, I've been meaning to tell Nick, uh, talk to Nick offline, but Nick, our AWS bill tripled Whoa. in July. Whoa. Which means there was a lot of data being pulled down from the server, which means a lot of people are listening to the show. And it's probably because I put it on Amazon or pod, I don't know. Who, do, who knows? I'm not going to complain because the numbers are ridiculous. I mean, we're, we're up. Uh, I mean, for our I think that the stats I get now, they're like a month to month run. We're up like a thousand percent. It's Look crazy. That. So I think there are new people listening. Yeah, there's if somewhere. there are. Sorry about today's show and not, not having a lot of Star Wars talk, but hopefully you still enjoyed the conversation on pop culture stuff. But more importantly, if you are new and you do plan to stick around, we need you to leave some ratings and reviews on whatever platform you're on. If it's on YouTube, like the video, leave a comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. If it's on a podcast platform and they allow for ratings or review, please do one of each. It's, it's huge for us, but 
wherever the new people are coming from, like I said, I'm not going to complain. Even if, even if it's a glitch in our analytic software, I'll take mm-hmm. it because it makes me feel good. Okay. <laughs> but numbers have, have gone up significantly over the summer. I just don't know why. But it could be because of the fan segment. So we always offer two avenues for all of you to get involved with the Star Wars Time Show each week. And the first one is our question of the week, which gets posted every Tuesday morning on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show in our stories and in our feed. So you just have to find it because that's what we do now on Instagram. You got to find the accounts you want to look at because you're never going to be able to see who you actually follow and leave a comment. And, uh, you know, if we're, if we're feeling saucy, we'll grab it and we'll throw it up there. We'll read through it as written and we'll start uh, either tearing it apart or agreeing with you. All right. So let's get into the fan segment this week. And as usual, the fan segment is always topical. So this week we're talking about some Andor, some Ahsoka. So because I am a genius, this week's question is, are you more excited for the Andor or Ahsoka series? (laughs) Uh, Nick, I think, sadly, I think I'm going to have to read some of these because I grabbed a lot of story ones and I always forget that you can't see their fucking names. I I did. I did go in and do. I did a little due diligence and captured the uh, the accounts. So there let me go. go ahead and get this real quick here while while we're getting ready. Okay, the guy with the Mando. Okay, so up first is Dave, aka Hot Toys underscore and underscore Hot Coffee. There you go. I like this guy. So Dave says, Andor personally, I'm also excited for Ahsoka, but the tone and themes in Andor excite me more, like Rogue One exploring the war in Star Wars. I like He's a it. lyricist as well. Very good. <laughs> okay. This mystery user is, let's see, dun, 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 dun. this is, holy shit, I can't I cut that off too. Well. They call themselves Red Comet. I don't know if that's their account name, but that's the name they typed into <laughs> I'm pretty into sure their that account, you so. can search by that, and it'll still bring up the it'll accounts start. sometimes. So there you go. Yeah. So, so Red Comet says, honestly, with the new trailer that came out for Andor, I'm more excited for this show. It looks fantastic. So it seems for Red Comet, whatever is in their eyeballs, that's what they're going with right away. So I, I don't blame you. Life is too short to be pining away for the future. For the future. This, this one I do know without cheating. This is Galgarus Raxpix, something like that. Galgarus Raxpix, yes, yes, okay, yeah. Andor, it's not even close, and it hasn't changed since both shows have been announced. I am also eager to see what Filoni and Co. gonna do with Ahsoka, but Andor seems to be my kind of SW show, especially the political arena on Coruscant. It's new and fresh. Galgarus picks. I know I just butchered that, but I'm with you. Yeah. I am with you. Um, I I said that, I think, two weeks ago when I was like, hey, I I think the Mon Mothma in the the Senate and the political stuff is going to be the thing I'm most interested in. It will be very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we got one more story, and this one we do know, and I'm going to let Nick take over since Uh, the name is on. the, The name is here. I know Rippick Tan now just by his his profile picture. He's always got the sweet ass looking uh, Millennium Falcon there zipping through hyperspace. But he says, "A great question. I'm so hyped for both. 
and I may lean towards Ahsoka and Friends at the moment, but it's so cool we're getting both of these shows because in a similar way, they both involve characters in respective timelines that have been built up with lore and popularity since their individual aspects were introduced. Look at Ripic just busting out all the big words. Since the formation of the freaking rebellion and the political dynamics of the galaxy during the Empire's reign have been something every Star Wars fan has speculated since 1977. And Ahsoka coming from an animated series where she was introduced a long time ago now and going from fan hate to fan favorite of multiple generations of Star Wars fans and her story traveling through almost all of the saga. It's just all so cool. Where do you guys stand on these two shows? That's is this still Rippick Tan's answer? This is still Rippick Tan's answer. <laughs> so that's okay. He, so oh, he ended we... with a question posed to us. So he asked us, what, what, where do we stand? Well, I, I kind of just answered it um, previously. I'm, I'm still Ahsoka because yeah. of the, the connections, the, the stronger connections to the Skywalker saga. I'm sorry. I'm a fucking Skywalker sap. <laughs> it's it's where I was introduced. We've lived it for nine movies, and even though they said the Mandalorian was getting away from it, fuck they they fucking Literally lied not. to us. So <laughs> I'm still I'm I'm with Ahsoka because a lot of stuff we we said during that se- segment, live action rebels trying to kind of put put uh, that epilogue to bed from the final season of Rebels, seeing where Ezra's at, and then the potential of the Skywalkers live action with Ahsoka. So that's yeah. it for me. For, you for Nick. Me. For me, I'm kind of leaning towards Andor because I love how it, like we already know, Tony Gilroy said, you got 24 episodes. It is a finite thing. And he I said, I do like that. I, I, I love how it's on a clock. Like these characters, we know what happens to these characters very shortly after this, this uh, TV show starts. So I, I, I love that. I love the aspect of it that is removed from the mysticism. Um, I, I love the mysticism in Star Wars. Obviously, I love the Jedi and the Sith and everything that goes along with that and the in the conflict that's constantly happening in the galaxy between those two factions. But like we haven't ever really dove into outside of, you know, small portions of the solo movie and Rogue One. Like we've never got to see the everyman. We've never got to see like how in large, like how in long form this war has affected the real people of the galaxy. Like not the, not the fighters, not the Jedi, not the fucking, you know, the wizards and the, in the big bads and the big goods. But like, we've never really seen like how this war affected the lady and her kid who live on some backwater planet that the empire just fucking came and took all their shit, you know? And I think that, Andor is going to give us that lens and show us like the impact of what really happened. Cause we still haven't seen that to this day. Like we've heard about it. Like we've heard how bad the empire is. We know how bad the empire is, but we've never seen how bad they are. And I think that this show has the unique, I don't want to say responsibility, but the unique opportunity to show that. Um, so I, yeah, cause bad batch season Andor. one, just, just, Bad Batch season one lightly touched on what was to come now that the yeah. Empire was in control. I, I think in the second season, it, you know, it looks like we're advanced a little bit. Things are getting much more dire for the regular denizens of the yeah. galaxy. 
So Bad Batch will be kind of doing something similar, albeit in, a, in an animated format. And like Nick said, the Bad Batch, they're, they're still kind of superheroes, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, I mean, even they, they, they even tried to position the Mandalorian as like the everyman, and I guess technically he is, but come on, I mean... At this point, Din Djarin's taken out like half the galaxy and yeah. has raided uh, remnant empire ships with f- four yeah. people. And, and, and now he's like the <laughs> chosen one to lead the Mandalorian. Like he's yeah. the new he's Mandalorian. He's got magic so like, swords. Like to a degree. And like given his timeline too, like you didn't really get to see all of the stuff with the empire. Like we're in a post-imperial timeline there. And like we're in like in the Mandalorian, there's just like this huge power vacuum because there's like the New Republic is fledgling right. at best. The, the the empire is destroyed and all that's running around are like warlords and remnant. So like, it's kind of like an apolitical time of the galaxy at that point. Whereas Andor, you're going to be right in the thick of when oh, yeah. the empire's kicking. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the galaxy is even more fucked than what we saw in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi, Eight, eight years into or ten years into the Empire's reign, I mean they they were making life miserable. But you know even even Bale was still serving the Empire. He was still in the Senate, all that fun stuff. Yeah, the sen- the Senate uh, was still around. <laughs> like we may it, be able ex- like exactly you know like we we obviously won't get to the part where they where they dissolve the Senate because that happens like right in the beginning of of uh of yeah you a new could hope, you could but- argue you could argue that the Emperor disbands the Senate during rogue one yeah yeah it's it's probably yeah, i mean probably i wonder happens. like has anyone has, has anyone has this ever been flushed out in comics or books like did, did they ever talk like did the emperor after he saw what was going on in scarif was just like you know what fuck this it's time to go full empire you know full fascism yeah senate fake senate you're done because in the beginning yeah, i mean in the beginning of of a new hope when when they walk in, you know, like they're sitting at the round table with all the, the moths and stuff. Like right. everybody who was there except Tarkin was under the the impression that the Senate still existed. And then Tarkin was yeah, the one he, that he's said he's the one that said he, they okay, dissolved yeah. like the Emperor dissolved the Senate. So all the regional so, governors will have control over their individual areas. So So that's interesting. Do do you think then, now that you know we with hindsight do you think he he decided to dissolve it because of the Battle of Scarif? Was Maybe. that the final? Was because it lines up if you think about it. Because I mean yeah. that was literally, you know, a few. Uh, you know, he raided the Tanti Four, he captured Princess Leia, then he was back on the Death Star, and they had that conversation. So it wasn't it wasn't too far after the Battle of Scarif. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm just doing some like fan narrative writing here, but it's like all right, Sheev Sheev realized, you know what, these fucking cocksuckers got one over on me. Yeah, it's time to really clamp things down and just get rid of this banana republic and just go full on. I'm the guy. Yeah. Get with me or die. Full dictator mode. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. probably what happened, especially right. since he like knew that. that one of the people who is primarily responsible. Well, I mean, like in in a new hope, like one of the people that was primarily responsible for for stealing these plans was a fucking sitting senator. So he was like, yeah. "Fuck this!" Like. There is no more Senate. I am the Senate. <laughs> so. I don't know. I like that. I, I I feel like we just wrote some Star Wars on the show here. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna classify it as canon. It's SWTS canon asterisks like that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But it's it's not head canon now that it's been spoken into the into the ether. It is Star Wars time show canon. 
So take it for what it's worth, but I think it lines up. <laughs> All right. A little bit of a tangent here. I think we've got one more uh, response, right? One more response here from Mr. Barron's Black Series. Hope that you're doing well, Spencer. He says, currently Andor, it's almost here. I'm loving the vibes of both the prequel and OT that have meshed together so well. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that they've done a really good job of... Uh, incorporating both aspects of prequel and original trilogy into what we've seen from Andor throwing, so far. Throwing the producer a bone here. He hasn't been producing much. He, he, I, I, I don't want to say I feel bad. I just like, like Spencer went through all this school to become an educator, like a special ed yeah. educator. And within a half year, he's like this, I'm out. And he works at FedEx now. Yeah. So sounds like he loves the job and that's all that matters. So we speak your name, producer, spa, spa, Spencer. Okay, so as we transition through the fan segment this week, we're going to move into the final avenue of entry into said segment, and that is our famous Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features of the Week, the way this works. I, I, I toil and labor all week long on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show, reviewing shots that have tagged the account. That's the most important thing to do, or shots that have used hashtag Star Wars Time Show. I'll share them on at Star Wars Time Show to honor them. And then Monday, Nick sits down, smokes a cigar, and picks the top five for the week. So the five we're about to look at now, if you're on the live stream, come from August 1st through August 8th. If you're not on the live stream, we have the shots posted for you on StarWarsTime.net so you can follow along because we don't want to leave you out. We try our best to describe what you're looking at, but we understand how radio works and you're probably just tuning out anyways. So here we go. Uh-oh. We've got a porn bot. Porn oh, bot no. in the chat. Porn bot in the chat. Are any wrenches in here? We need a wrench. <laughs> we need a wrench. If Justin's in here on his old account, then, or on his other account, if he switches over, he can kill it. Put user in timeout. Is that... Hide user on this channel is probably the best bet, maybe. Okay, there we go. There we go. All right, so Nick, let's go ahead and check out the shots you have chosen. Yes, this week's top five kicks off with at Broken Artist ninety eight, and I, I've been I've been a huge fan of the Predator. Uh, Star Wars crossover. This is a timely, recently. timely pick, my friend. Now timely it pick. Is, now that we, you know, we Predator is back in in the media. It's it's in the spotlight right now. So good pick here. That's right. So what we see here is a Predator. I don't know which Predator it is. It's a Predator. He's fighting all of the Night Owls. It seems he's got. It looks like he's got Casca Reeves and like a chokehold already. And then you got the other blue buffets over there that are doing their best to try to to subdue this predator, but they just can't make it happen. I really like the film grain. Like, I don't know if that's a filter yeah. or something like that that he put on it, but it just like gives it this depth of realism to the shot. And I mean, the setup you know is amazing. Everything. I appreciate I appreciate all like the little green lights on the helmet and the, yeah. the wrist gauntlet. Yeah. So what? What say you to this fight, Nick? Who would ultimately win this? Four Mandalorians or a Predator? Man, that's a... See, I think that because of the armor... Like, I don't know how laser beams react to Beskar. But I would imagine that the Mandos would win in a 4v1 fight. I gotta, I gotta give would, it to the You would think Mandos. so. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if these motherfuckers could take on Jedi and their armor and weapons were built specifically for Jedi defense and offense, damn it, I thought I silenced you. Someone wants me to play Contra. <laughs> yeah, you, you, would, you would like to think that four of them could take on a Predator. Yeah, and I think um, that, like, in, in a situation like this, the Mandos win for sure. Now, if it was, like, the first Predator movie where they're, like, in the jungle... And the Predator yeah. still has its cloaking capability and everything like that. I and think he can go one-on-one. On one. Yeah, I think the Predator picks yeah. him off one at a time easily. Uh, but it, like in an open fight like this, I think the Mandos will eventually get the, the upper hand. Yeah, if um, I was a Predator and once I realized that I couldn't do anything with their armor, I would just laser off their fucking legs. Like yeah, I'd just, exactly. Find, find the weak spot. From a distance, get my, get my laser uh, targeting out and just zap their legs off. Yeah, for sure. So, we'll but see. Yeah, we'll it, see it's a cool crossover. <laughs> and, and anyone that listens to this show, we we all believe that Predator and Alien is in the same universe as Star Wars. They, they've they've done too many nods to it. I think it was a year ago at this point. They literally had a Predator mask and an alien skull in a Star Wars comic book. So yeah, let's go. Let's go. It's let's, all real. It's all together. It's good shit. At Broken underscore Artist ninety eight on the IG. Good stuff. Uh, next up is at Spaciology, S-P-A-C-I-O-L-O-G-Y. And what they have here is an incredible shot of 332nd. We see 332nd. It's an incredible with, amount of money, too. Yes. <laughs> That's what this a, is. I'm glad that you brought that up because these these are the Hot Toys boys, right? Is that what it looks like here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. These yes. are all 1-6 scale. So you're looking each figure at minimums probably 250 plus. Oh, oh. The That's question a, is, did did spaceology get creative and just, you know like how the Photoshop them like, you know, right? Well, yeah, you, you know, Ahsoka, Rex and Jesse, they're all they're yes. all unique. But I wonder if if the other clones, you know, there's a mix of 501 and 332 in there. I wonder if they just kind of cloned it on the other side or if yeah. spaceology actually has this many figures. Either way, I'm jealous because they get to shoot them and they have lots of them. And they make some good looking, good looking shots. Like I, I think that's one of the other upsides of losing a leg for this uh, amount of, of time is seeing all these hot toys build up and actually going, you know what? I kind of want to, kind of want to do some toy photography again. So once I'm able to stand, I might get back at it. And I've, I've taken some notes from Kiko Collects. I, I think, I really think that's the, that's the style I want to get into. Those real nice, okay. nicely lit portraits. There you that go. way I can kind of churn through the backlog and get back on top of Instagram bearing every post Haywood Pop puts out there. <laughs> okay. There you go. See, but yeah, you Spaceology. Found your, found your muse. But yeah, Spaceology. So what we see is Ahsoka. So on both sides, there, Ahsoka, Rex, and Jesse are flanked by 501 and 332nd clone troopers that are standing in formation. And it looks like they're just kind of giving them the the pre-fight talk, right? Like the the pre-battle talk. Yeah, it's 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 right before the Siege of Mandalore is where I place it, you know, cuz we, we've seen this in the last season yeah. of Clone Wars when she shows back up, she's got that very Mandalorian-esque um outfit on outfit. now, that that blue. I actually this is my favorite Ahsoka uh get up if you will. Uh, yeah, Rex, how, how the hell do you get Jesse unless that's a custom? Because my Jesse's not coming for months at this point. But either way, it's it, it's a good looking setup here from at Spaceology on Instagram. Give give them a follow if you are not already doing so. 
100%. All right, next up. Here's this guy. I, I uh, love Brick. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I am a Brick Panda 82 super fan. Oh, yeah. Brick Panda at Brick Panda 82 with the beautiful Lego scene recreation from our our favorite movie, right? Everybody's favorite movie, ESB. Is that it? Is that true? I know that's not everybody's no, favorite. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a ROTJ <laughs> I, I guy. Know. That's all right. You guys can I all be know. wrong. It's okay. I know. But uh, so what we see is the is the Hoth Wampa cave scene recreation. So you see Luke Skywalker, who is uh, suspended upside down from the cave with ice all around his feet, his lightsaber stuck in the snow out of his reach. And then you see you can see the Wampa coming. It's the moment right before Luke successfully pulls the saber up, cuts himself loose and then cuts the arm off of the Wampa. Uh, I mean, like, this is just like, it's it's beautifully recreated. I mean, you see powdery snow on the floor. You see beautiful icicles uh, at the top of the frame. I mean, Luke is suspended perfectly, almost matching, like, the exact pose that he was in as much as a Lego can. And then the menacing uh, Wampa in the background with even more cave background, too. I mean, it's just so incredibly well done. Yeah, no, it's... Brick Panda's like a unicorn. They... We'll we'll just start getting daily Star Wars shots from them after months of not seeing any Brick Panda work. It's like when he gets a, a new set of Star Wars figures, he just he just rolls for you know a couple weeks or so. Because I mean, I, I just put out another one from Brick Panda today. I, I, anytime Brick Panda puts out a Star Wars shot, it, it's going to get featured because they are, in my opinion, the best Lego Star Wars on Instagram. And I'll tell you what, Brick Panda actually reached out today after you knighted them with a top <laughs> five feature and revealed that th- this is actually predominantly practical. That is okay? crazy. And, and he sent shots. I mean, th- this is what I like. This is where I, I, I know we, we've captured the attention of Brick Panda, which is good. So the ice up there, Nick, that is frozen sugar from when I was told. Oh, wow. Yes. That's incredible. And and the snow is, I believe he said, uh, baking soda. But the, yeah, this is mostly a practical, like the stuff that's in frame there. I, I think the background might might be slightly digital, but everything right there that is being captured and in focus, the icicles and the snow, that's all legit. Dude. Um, as well as Luke. It just somehow Brick Panda manages to make out-of-the-box minifigs look like Lego minifigures in a Lego Star Wars animation. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that was my thought exactly, is like, this looks like it could be from a Lego movie, like, shot, like, Lego movie still. I mean, dude, he even put in, like, like, when you breathe when it's cold and your breath has that, like, fog to it, there's, like, the breath coming out of Luke's mouth. Like, no, dude, no no detail goes missed. That's what I mean. I mean, I'm going to just pull up Brick panda real quick so everyone else can appreciate the the quality here but it's just yeah he does like like his latest muse was dress it's like whenever a movie or shows out he he just goes all in he's got strangers on there jurassic world but he's back into a star wars kick starting with a kenobi shot death star gunners the one nick and i are talking about and then today the one i shared is with the new inquisitor minifigs but it just it just looks like a um they they look like stills from Lego Star Wars animation projects, not not actual minifigures. Yeah, that's the beauty of the Brick Panda coming to us straight from Hungary. So excellent stuff there. Oh 
man. Crazy, crazy stuff. At BrickPanda82. Beautiful, beautiful work. Next up is at DaddyMandoFR. And I mean, this is a this is a beautiful shot. So obviously he's shooting not a Mando necessarily. It's a it's a clone trooper. Um, but the way that this is shot just looks so natural. I mean, you're out clearly yeah. out in in the in the wide open nature. We see this clone trooper um, in full garb, even wearing some like some some furs and stuff. Seems like to keep himself a little warmer. But he's wading through uh, a, a stream. Keeping his eye out, gun is drawn, maybe has an eye on a target somewhere. Um, but just like the natural feel of this shot and the the feeling that it gives off that this is actually happening, that this, that this is like a real life event. It's yeah. just incredibly well done. I mean, dude, when I first started this hobby, the pleasure I got out of it was just going either into my backyard or to a park with a backpack full of figures and just setting them up in real world locations and trying to make them look as you're saying with this shot that they're actually real. Um, and I, I would like to get back to this cause it's like, I feel like I kind of fucked my head up and the hobby for myself by worrying about, Oh, I got to have dioramas or digital this or fireworks or atmosphere aerosol. Yeah. All that stuff can make an image look nice, but if it's also preventing you from enjoying a hobby, you know, maybe maybe take a pass for a few and get back to basics like uh, Daddy Mando FR here. And, and Nick, for me, it's it's all the little accoutrements added to this figure that that I think the scarf is probably the yep. one of the coolest light ads. Like for a a this is to me kind of like a kit bash custom. And I also believe this clone has custom holsters and shit around his waist and legs to kind of make him stand out. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I like the outdoor setting. Uh, plus the extra pieces that uh, Daddy Mando FR added to the figure itself. Yeah, damn absolutely. it, Love Chat XYZ is back. Oh no, oh no, they're back. They found a way in. Get your porn while you can. Just kidding. Don't click any of the Report. shit that that person posts. Um. All right. So yes, beautiful stuff at Daddy Mando FR on Instagram. Just some incredible work on the on the account. So make sure to go follow relatively low followers on the account. But this guy is putting out some quality work. Um, all right. Last up for the top five, we have at Talon underscore illustrations. Real ass paint. With a real ass paint. Yes, indeed. Of a clone trooper here i mean like this is this a clone i mean it has to be a clone trooper right but i just didn't it's, like it's a it, it's kind of a like a, it, it's more of a republic commando yes. helmet yeah, i think is what's throwing you off because the phase ones they had the fin going up here where this yep, does yep. not so yeah this is more of a the republic commando gotcha so what we have is a republic commando sitting here with a little buzz droid on his shoulder and i my will favorite say this, part that, exactly. I was going to say that. I was like, my favorite part of this is the buzz droid because one, we rarely see buzz droids in any sort of toy photography or illustration because I think in general, when that movie first came out, people fucking hated the buzz droids. Like they were like, this is stupid. Like, why is this happening? But this illustration of this buzz droid is so cool because there's so much detail in it. Talent yeah. illustrations catch it like captures the, the essence and the in the the visuals of a buzz droid almost perfectly. Um, and it just looks so natural sitting on this Republic Commando shoulder. It's almost like it's his little buddy, 
you know, like, it, that, you know what? And, and that's, that's what I went with, Nick. It, it, you know, we, we always talk about anything telling a story, like images that, you know, you have a good image when it tells a story. And this one does to me because of that buzz droid. It's like, how did this commando reprogram a buzz droid to kind of become a parrot on the shoulder as if he was a, a clone pirate? Yeah. And you're, you're right. It's, it, you can tell that they have a, a bond, you know, this is like mm-hmm. his, his BB-8, his uh, BD-1, yep. his K-2SO. It, it, it's no different. It, it's just so unique because it is a bad team droid. Yep. So you think about, all right, well, how'd this clone capture it and how'd they reprogram it and how'd they teach it to, to sit on its shoulder and hang out without trying to saw his arm off? You know what I mean? So I, I did dig I, I, the, the buzz droid. I mean, it's a great illustration. Don't get me wrong. And you can see, I don't know if this is colored pencil or whatnot, but it's something our brains clearly can't comprehend how humans do this. We've, we've established that. But just the thought to include a reprogrammed buzz droid really kind of kind of sent this one over the top from at Talon underscore illustrations. I just, I love that idea. And like you, Nick, I used to hate buzz droids, but because of games like star Wars galaxy of heroes and needing them to take down my foes and GAC, (laughs) I, I like this Republic commando can see their benefit and their good side. So good stuff there. Good yeah, stuff. I kind of want like a buzz droid pet at this point in time. Right? If they like, you know? if they had like a little desk buzz droid that you could like put there and like you could hit like a little button and just go something like that. Uh, sp- speaking of another droid I want and uh, not spoilers, not, I mean, the movie's been out forever, but I think my favorite character in Lightyear is Socks the Cat, which is like a little robot okay. cat. It, little fantastic. Robot. Nice. I, I would almost buy a figure. Like this is where I start getting myself in the trouble when I like something in pop culture. <laughs> The way I the way I feel like I have to honor that love for something is I have to then buy merchandise. So I am one of the these capitalism fools that uh, these people can prey on. You know, they they yeah. they, they tap into <laughs> nostalgia and the feels and everything to get me to spend more money than I need to. Dude, that's that's the, that's what they do. That the marketing team sure. comes up to them early on in development. They're like, just give me one <laughs> thing that we could turn into a product. Just exactly. one thing. Just exactly. Give me one. And they got it. They got you with that one. Um, but that's it. That's the end of the top five. Thank you to all of the artists to tag us using hashtag Star Wars Time Show and at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. Continue to do that. Specifically, the at Star Wars Time Show. Tag us in your stuff. Um, we appreciate all the love and support from the community. Um, that's the end of the top five. And that's the end of the show. Welcome back, Matt. And take us home. Woo. All right. Thank you, Nick. It's good to be back as always. Hopefully those of you that made it to the end of the show, you enjoyed today. It was a little different. You know, we, we, we had a wide range of topics, got into some things that didn't start with star and end with wars, but hopefully that's all right. I mean, it, it, Nick and I have always talked like it, you know, do we, do we talk about other type of shit on the show or do we start other shows? And I think at this point we just talk about other shit <laughs> on the Star Wars all time show and people can deal with it or not. Uh, but with that being said, if there are new fans out there, which I, uh, there has to be just based on the cost to run this damn show going up astronomically in July, this segment is for you. This is the end of the show. All right. Like uh, Jedi Master Bane here who started listening to the podcast during Bad Batch last year. He called it the best Star Wars live stream. And then he went back and listened to the 2017 shows. 
we want you all to do the same. But more importantly, if you do dig this little Star Wars time show thing, we would love for you to subscribe to our platform. So that's why right now on the stream, you can see StarWarsTime.net, the homepage right there in all of its ad-filled glory. The reason we want you to go to StarWarsTime.net, well, it, it's got all our content, but more importantly, it's got all of the links you need to have to become a Star Wars Time Show fan dough. So StarWarsTime.net. If you go there, you will see there's always time for Star Wars Time. you also find links to our podcast, which comes out on Wednesdays, live stream Tuesdays. Live stream on YouTube, podcast version on pretty much every platform under the sun. I promise you, you will find the platform that works for you. If not, you're just one of those tech weirdos that has to have everything open source on uh, the most obscure version of Linux. Sorry, we can't help you. <laughs> Even then, I think you could still listen to our show if you go to StarWarsTime.net and pull up our podcast post because there is a player right there in the browser. So what I'm trying to say is there's no way to avoid the Star Wars Time Show. There truly is always time for it, and you need to make time to sub to it if you haven't already done so. Uh, so keep it up. Like I said, I am I am uh, encouraged by whatever is happening this summer, even if it is a glitch within the software we use to record analytics, because if anything else, it's giving my fragile ego some time to feel important. More importantly, to feel important and loved within the Star Wars fan universe. So thank you all. Don't forget those ratings and reviews. And don't forget StarWarsTime.net. There's always time for Star Wars time. And remember... If you do happen to listen or watch the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Always.